This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 3rd of July, 2008. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, we're always trying to be at the leading edge of technology, and so we're trying something new again. I guess it's something we've tried a while ago, but we've, we're going to try Skype again. So we're currently recording this on Skype rather than using our normal phone lines. So let's hope that works well. Indeed, yes. The topic we're going to talk about today, Chris, is about pricing in online markets. And it started because you sent me a link about somebody in Australia, actually in Perth, in our hometown, who was doing something interesting on eBay. Yeah, that's right, Gihan. I was reading the Slashdot News for Nerds um, website and came across <laughs> this article uh, about a guy named Ian Usher, who is also a Perth guy and, like us, is on the leading edge of technology. Uh, and what Ian wanted to do was he wanted to sell his entire life on eBay. So when he said his entire life, he was essentially selling his house, its contents, his car, his jet ski, his motorcycle, a chance for the winner of the auction to uh, have a go at Ian's job and uh, perhaps take on his job and an introduction to all his friends. So he's selling practically everything that he had except for his identity so that uh, after the transaction was complete, he would walk out of his house with just his wallet and his uh, passport and, st- and a, a big wad of cash, hopefully, and uh, would be starting afresh. It's a big project, and I guess he was looking for a fairly high price, and he was doing it on a place like eBay, which is, um, which is unusual. It's the first time I'd come across something like that. It, it was unusual, and Ian, as well as setting up uh, the obvious page on well, the auction page on eBay, he'd also set up a website called alifeforsale.com, where the word for is replaced by the digit for. Um, And he had a lot of detail and background information on alifeforsale.com about exactly what it was that he was selling. So details about his house and his jet ski and his car and his job and so forth. Um, And some of the reasons why he was actually doing it, just letting people know he wasn't contemplating suicide, but uh, that he'd had uh, a bit of a painful divorce and just wanted to make a clean break. So he'd set up that particular website uh, in conjunction with having his eBay auction so he could answer questions that invariably people interested in bidding on Ian's life uh, could have answered. Yeah, and as a result of you sending me that story, Chris, uh, we decided to make it a feature of this podcast. And in fact, we're going to split the topic over, over two podcast sessions. So today we'll talk about... If you've got something for sale, and it may be something smaller than your life, how you might sell it on the internet, and I talk a little bit about how you decide what a good price is. And in the next podcast, we'll talk about how to find things that people are interested in. So in one case, today we're going to be talking about if you've got a product, how do you put it out to the market? And in the next issue, we'll talk about if you don't have a product, but you'd like to find out where a profitable market is, how you could discover some of those things. So I guess in in this podcast, Chris, you're really the expert because you've done a lot more of uh, eBaying and other areas that uh, are looking at interesting things for sale. And I guess you've seen some interesting things in your time. That's right, Gihan. I, I think uh, when I sent this to you, you, you responded and said uh, a good topic might be there's a market for everything on the internet, including an entire life. 
Um, and you also sent me a website called strangebids.com, which uh, That's right. was devoted to listing the kind of weird auctions that people um, put up on eBay. So as well as your entire life, there's uh, all kinds of weird stuff ends up mostly on eBay, it would seem. Um, so no matter what you have, uh, there possibly is uh, a market for it, and the internet is a good way of reaching that market, and eBay in particular is a good starting point. Yeah, and it is funny what people have up for auction. And I guess eBay was set up initially for people to auction off their second-hand goods and anything that they want to get rid of out of their house and just make a little bit of pin money or pocket money from it. And yet it's turned out into this huge marketplace. And I saw some stats recently that said that eBay is now the biggest used car sales dealership in the world. Wow. So people are selling everything and anything on eBay. Yeah, that, that's right. So um, in conjunction with, as you said, we're going to split this into two topics. What, uh, what kind of price can you get for things on the internet? Um, so how can you work out what something is worth in that marketplace and then actually finding out what is actually hot, what people are interested in purchasing uh, from the internet? Now, I'm just curious, Chris, like you've done quite a bit of eBay buying and selling. Um, what are some of the weird things that you've bought or sold? <laughs> um, <laughs> It hasn't been particularly, you know, you know, particularly weird. Some people might say my CD collection is a bit weird, but that's mostly what I purchased. But, yeah, I've bought yeah. all kinds of things like a coffee machine and a coffee bean grinder that most people, I guess, would go down to uh, their local I don't know, Harvey Norman or some other retail outlet and purchase it off the shelf. But I thought I could do a bit better and save a bit more money by shopping around and, uh, and buying that sort of thing off off eBay, and I did. I saved a lot of money, and uh, I got a nice coffee machine out of it. Well, I guess actually that's that's part of my question. So um, you said you saved quite a lot of money. So you've actually found that eBay has been very useful to you in saving money. That, that's right, Gihan. So in terms of finding out what things are retailing for and how much they're actually being sold for, uh, you can you can go to two resources. You can either use shopping comparison engines. Um, or you can go to a place like eBay. You can look at uh, how much things are retailing for uh, or being bid on at eBay and actually how much they sell for when the auctions actually close. If you start with something like a shopping comparison engine, one of the most uh, well-known is frugal.com, F-R-O-O-G-L-E.com. And as you've probably guessed from the name, that's a, a Google website. And it's a search engine for products that are being sold through various um, online retailers. So you go into frugal.com, you type in uh, the name of a product that you're interested in buying, and it will come back with listings of all the online retailers for that particular product and the price that they're selling, that they're retailing that product for. And you can then rank them according to price, and you can narrow it down according to your location if you happen to be a US-based um, person. Um, and that gives you an idea of where you can find this product uh, most cheaply. And that also includes um, places like Amazon, some of the big retailers like Amazon and eBay as well. So eBay listings are included in Frugal's search listings. And I think if I remember correctly, Chris, when Frugal was set up, the, the merchants like Amazon and eBay have to become members of Frugal. Is that right? Or does Frugal just go out to any websites around the world that it can find 
and find pricing on there? It does both, Gihan. So you can okay. you can uh, become a member and you can upload your inventory to uh, frugal.com and then it will be listed. But Frugal also uses um, Google's search engine um, indexes to uh, extract product listings and include them uh, in search results when you search on Frugal. So it does both. It goes out and it crawls websites just as pa- just as part of Google's or ordinary cr- uh, crawling of the internet. Plus, it takes some um, inventories that have been submitted by people who have accounts with Frugal.com. Right, right. So it's a great place to get started. And you, you mentioned Amazon. Um, one of the things that I've done when I'm when I'm buying books is go to Amazon.com first read a little bit about the book, maybe even use their search inside the book feature so I can actually read read a little bit inside the book. And then there's a there's a network of actually secondhand booksellers called the Advanced Book Exchange, which is abebooks.com. And uh, similar to Frugal, but I guess it's it's narrowed down to just books. I can go to abebooks.com, search for a title or an author. Again, narrow it down by where they're located uh, and even the condition of the book. So the, the booksellers will put in there the condition of the book based on whether pages are torn or there's, there are any people have written in the book or not. And I can find lots of merchants selling books from all around the world and I can choose where I buy it from. If it's in Australia I'll generally try to buy from an Australian supplier first because they they will probably deliver it fastest but if I'm not actually concerned about the speed of delivery, sometimes I find it's easier to order from the US or the UK, even including the postage costs. It's cheaper even if it takes a little bit longer for, uh, to, to get to me. Yeah, so that's right. That's another version of a shopping comparison engine, which is focused on a a single product type, which is books. And there are other ones, ones I've mentioned in the past uh, for music is GEM, G-E-M-M, which is Global Electronic Marketplace, Mm -hmm. musicmarketplace.com. And Alibris, Alibris again, is uh, focused on books and also on music as well. So you get uh, a whole lot of retailers uh, online retailers listing their CDs and records and books at places like alibris.com and gem.com and abebooks.com. Yeah. Okay. Now, one thing that we didn't we didn't mention, Chris, is what actually happened to this guy who was selling his life on eBay because eBay runs through auctions and the auction ended, I think, on Sunday, so a few days ago. And you've had a bit of a look at what's happened since then and actually what happened during the auction. That's right. So there was a lot of interest uh, in Ian Asher's um, auction from from the regular media. He was doing lots of interviews and indeed a few cynical people asked Ian questions about how much you're getting paid uh, for interviews and that sort of thing. Uh, And he answered that question quite honestly. He said he wasn't getting paid anything. But what he was doing was making sure that he uh, publicised his auction as widely as possible in order to get the, the best price. And ultimately, the price that he got for his entire life, or, uh, or an approximation of it, was um, 399,300 Australian dollars. So just under 400,000 Australian dollars, um, which in my opinion was a bit of a bargain for the buyer. There were, uh, I think, 60 odd bids put in, and um, mm-hmm. the winning bidder got a house in a, a suburb south of Perth. Um, that was and and its contents plus uh, um, Ian's uh, car and motorcycle etc. For less than what uh, the median price of houses, just houses, sell for in that particular suburb. 
Right, which is an interesting, uh, again, an interesting comment, Chris, because you went and did some research into that suburb using other internet resources, which is, an, again, an example of doing price comparison online. You mean you didn't use an automated engine, but you have these inf- you have these resources available at your fingertips. That's right, yeah. So going to uh, a real estate website and looking at the price history for the particular suburb where Ian Usher's house is located, you could see that um, it was just over 400000 that a, a 3 by 2 house in Wellard is selling for. So someone got a house plus its contents plus some vehicles uh, and, depending on how much Ian's friends are worth, an introduction to them for less than the market price of just the house alone. Yeah, and as you say, like if it was a, a savvy investor could have bought that, bought his life and then immediately turned it around and then sold the house and made probably would have made a profit straight away. That's right. I, I doubt they'll be doing it on eBay. Yes, exactly. It's an interesting thing about auctions that one of the things I've heard as a weakness of auctions for sellers is that you don't get the best price. What you get is the second best price, in effect. Because if you and I are bidding on that on that property and you're willing to bid up to a million dollars and I'm willing to bid up to whatever it was, 399000 then you will win the bid because you're willing to bid more than I am, but... Ian Usher doesn't end up with a million. He ends up with just a little bit more than the second best bidder. That's right. And and in Ian's case, working with eBay, I think he had a fairly restricted pool of potential bidders, didn't he? He worked hard to publicise this auction, so he was working against that effect by trying to get as much publicity as he could, which was a clever thing Mm -hmm. to do. Uh, But at the same time, I think a lot of um, investors might have been wary of uh, spending four hundred thousand on eBay for the, especially if they'd never used eBay in their life, I certainly would have been a bit uh, cautious about bidding four hundred thousand dollars on eBay, even though I'm addicted to it. See, that's a good point. So what you're saying is that maybe he would have got more if he'd gone the traditional auction route, even if auctions aren't necessarily the best way. The traditional auction route would have been better than an eBay auction. That's right. That's right, but I think Ian had other other motivations in that he really did want to make a clean break. He wanted to find a simple and efficient way of essentially selling everything at once so he could walk out the door at the completion of the transaction and start afresh. Um, So the other thing I was going to say, Chris, is that I saw some of the publicity that Ian Nasher had got and he said that he was hoping to get half a million. So he was looking at 500000 okay. and it ended up being a little bit less than that. Actually, if you look at it in absolute terms, it was $100,000 less, which is quite a lot of money. Um, and I guess you could say he got 80% of what he was looking for, really. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, like it was quite a shortfall by using eBay as an auction method to sell products. I think in this case... Um it was selling real estate, uh, at least in, in Perth, which is a, a fairly small market because only per, uh, Western Australian um, buyers are going to be interested in the first instance and maybe uh, Australia-wide. You might get investors from the eastern states looking at the option. So it's a fairly restricted pool. It might not be the best way of selling real estate uh, in, in Perth. I think that's a key point, that there, is, there are other ways that might be more effective. Because I was thinking about some of my products, and if I sell them on eBay, I've got some books and I've got audio products. I'm thinking of things that I've created myself that I would like to market out on the internet. eBay might be good for me because the, the cost of production of those products is low. So if I sell 
a CD program on eBay, it doesn't stop me from selling it in other other means as well. So I don't mind making some money, even if it's only a small amount of money on eBay, and I might make less than I would if I was selling it in person or through my website or at a presentation, but I don't mind because it's profit I wouldn't have otherwise had. And maybe that's a consideration that if you've got a one-off product, maybe you've got to be thinking very carefully about where you sell it. Right, that's right. And so when it comes to setting price gear, and we were going to mention one other feature that eBay in particular allows you to um, use, and that's looking at completed auctions. So if you type in a search for a particular product, you'll see the auctions that are currently running, those that are still live, and you can see how much people are bidding at the moment. But what you can't see is what those products eventually sell for. But Mm. there's a checkbox on the left-hand side of uh, the search results page for completed listings. And when you check that box and uh, run the search again, it will show you uh, the products whose auctions have ended and the final selling price, or if they failed to sell, uh, what they were initially listed for. So then you can actually see how much people are willing to pay for the particular product that uh, that you searched for. Um, So that's a great tool for doing some search, uh, some pricing research. Right, and I've never done that. I've never done that, but I can see how it would be very useful because it actually shows you what the market's willing to pay, not just what the bidders thought or what the original vendor thought. That's right. Um, And the other thing is that it's fairly current information because eBay only maintains those completed listings in its search indexes for 60 days. So it's only the past 60 days of auction history that's available when you search for completed listings. And it's also worth drilling down into into that data. By look, you can then actually look at the listings themselves individually and um, just check that the reason that a particular auction, uh, a particular price was achieved um, was because, uh, say, there was damage to the goods or perhaps the goods were available only to a small um, small region, so some people won't ship internationally, for instance. So if a price looks unusually low or unusually high, it's just worth doing that due diligence work and looking at the uh, a few of those individual listings and finding out if there's anything particular that uh, caused uh, the price to a particular price to be achieved. I think you make an important point there Chris because it doesn't always have to be about price. So if you use either the eBay completed listings or use Frugal or you use you know, Amazon's marketplace or ABE books or any of these comparison sites, if you're selling something on the internet, you might be happy to charge to quote a higher price, an expected higher price. Um, For example, it might be because you're in Australia or it might be that you've got fast shipping or no shipping shipping costs. There may be some other reason other than the price why someone would be willing to pay more. That's exactly right. And and, and getting back to eBay, you talked about some of the weird things that I might have bought or sold. One of the first times I used eBay was to sell off just some old junk that I had. Um, I think it was like some old film cameras that I didn't need anymore, old Instamatic cameras. Um, and the guy who eventually won them, he, he was a bit of an eBay expert, and he came and picked them up. He wanted to save on postage, so he lived nearby, so he came round to my house. And he was sort of saying, you know, do, do you know the reason that you didn't get such a high price for this particular for this particular item, this camera? And I said, no, I, I don't know why that was. And he said it was because that the finishing time of my auction was... Um, late, it was after midnight, Perth time. So he said a lot of uh, bidders hang out to the last minute to put their bids in, 
And if mm-hmm. that last minute happens to be at an inconvenient time, they're just not going to stay up late to save a few bucks on a, a cheap camera, whereas he did because <laughs> he was mm-hmm. a bit of an expert. So, uh, so things like that, finishing times of auctions, influence prices, and it's important to understand that when you're looking at completed listings, um, understanding why that price that final price was achieved, is it something like the finishing time or the fact that shipping was ridiculously expensive or the person wouldn't ship around the world? Those sorts of things all influence the price. Yeah, okay. Okay, so as you say, it is important not just to go by face value but just to drill down and have a look at some of the details because they can be significant. That's right. So we come to the end of our time for this podcast, Chris, and uh, I think you've given some really valuable hints on setting prices when you're putting things out in the marketplace. Any last comment you'd like to make? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to sell, like we said, there's a market for everything on the internet, so use the internet to do your market research. Look at uh, completed listings on eBay. Go to a few uh, shopping comparison engines like Frugal and Shopzilla.com and um, some of the others that we've mentioned. Do your research, but also uh, examine examine your research results quite closely. Look at them in, in detail as well. Great. And uh, as we said at the start, this is, this is, I guess, the first part of a two-part series. And uh, in the next podcast, we'll look at if you don't have products for sale, but you're interested in selling on the Internet, how do you find profitable markets? I guess it will be appropriate, Chris, to finish off by... Um, talking about what Ian Usher is doing now because you mentioned this to me just before we started the call. That's right. So since uh, the auction completed, um, Ian said that he'd been contacted by a lot of people um, who sort of commiserated with his circumstances, the, his painful divorce that it had prompted him to make this clean break and had talked about what happens next, what, you know, what they found themselves a bit listless and so forth and without any goals or directions because Ian wants to make a fresh break and start anew but doesn't necessarily have any particular ideas in mind. So he's now set up a new website called 100goals100weeks.com. So that's 100goals100weeks.com where he's going to um, talk about, presumably, uh, what he thinks he's going to achieve now that he's made this clean break. And, um, yes, could be quite an interesting website to keep track of. Yeah, and even though it's not related to our topic, I think it, it just makes a point that he's somebody who's – he didn't just put stuff up on eBay and hope that he'd make money from it. He actually went out of his way to use offline marketing as well, and he's doing the same now. That's right, Gideon. So thanks again, Chris. We'll be back in two weeks' time with the second part of this series. Thanks, Gihan. Talk to you then. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.